Welcome back to When Life Gives You Melons. We're still doing it. We're still talking into the void. Mm-hmm. I'm Reed, and over there... I'm Drew. That's my big sister. Yeah. That's my baby sister. Baby. Uh, today, we are going to talk about diagnosis, basically. It's all about diagnosis. The early mm-hmm. science. The importance of it. Yeah. How to go about getting diagnosed, what to expect from getting diagnosed, we're kind of going to go over a little like um, little disclaimer of like why you should get diagnosed to begin with. And I, I have heard this actually. Some people have said that by getting diagnosed, we become our diagnosis. And I'd like to remind people out there that with or without a formal diagnosis, I am still dyslexic. Drew is still dyslexic. It, avoiding a diagnosis doesn't make me not dyslexic. It just makes me irresponsible. Good life lesson. Avoidance doesn't make something go away or lessen it. Avoidance gives us harmful coping skills. It makes us believe that our struggles are normal, that we should just have a stiff upper lip, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and stop complaining. And that that does not help. So this mindset that people have of just telling us to have a stiff upper lip and suffering in silence is a trap that a lot of people fall into. What it actually does when you do that, it, it just feeds the cycle of that try harder mindset, which we already know is not helpful to a dyslexic. I understand that a lot of people out there when they are saying that, when they're like, hey, don't be, don't let your diagnosis define you. And I get that that's what they're trying to say, but that is not the way to go about it. And I would actually say that by better understanding my diagnosis, I actually am understanding myself better. So it's not defining me. I, The way that I process has a, a name to it. And I know how to um, work with that. <laughs> like it's, it's understanding yourself better. It's not being defined by a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that people use the term don't be defined by your diagnosis. Like I don't exactly get what that means all the time. Because you are defined by aspects of who you are and that's not a bad thing as long as you understand what those aspects mean and how they affect you so that you can cope with them yeah no it's 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 believing that these diagnoses are um by someone saying that it's their it's kind of still their belief that this diagnosis is a bad thing you know yeah that's what they're saying that's what it means like by 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 saying that you have it by by saying that you have it and saying, no, I process differently. And it's like saying that I'm accepting that I'm, that there's something wrong with me. And that's not true. I'm accepting that I'm different. But as me and one of my very good friends used to say growing up, but different <laughs> is good. I'm different, but different is good. Yep. Let's talk about uh, now. So we talked about why we're even doing this episode, you know, because I, I have heard that. Really quick, the importance of getting diagnosed besides like understanding yourself better Mm -hmm. is that we really uh by getting diagnosed early and looking for the signs early you are mitigating a lot of the um discouragement and frustration and honestly the self-loathing that can uh, happen when you are going to school and you're not getting it like the other kids and you're trying your hardest uh and you just we're really trying to instill um the idea that 
competence in your diagnosis instills confidence and confidence leads to success. So by like having an early diagnosis, this gives kids the ability to have a better understanding of their processing and to instill the confidence in that processing. It's like a cycle because you understand how you work. You understand Mm -hmm. that it's okay to be who you are. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I'm like. When people are like, don't define yourself by your by your disability. It's like, no, I have a neurodiversity that makes me different and makes me process the world different. And by knowing that and understanding that, I give myself the best like chance possible. I give myself confidence yeah. or by other people understanding that and making that something that gives me confidence because they make me feel like it's not something that brings me down, but something that gives me qualities that are, that can lead to success. There's, let's take it from one side of the line. Let's put it on the other side of the line and make it a good thing. Yeah. Again, sorry. It's like, no, it's like trying to romanticize uh, neurodiversity. Some people you always hear, they're like, oh, I'm ADHD because I'm really hyper. It's like, well, that's a romanticism of that neurodiversity. Please romanticize dyslexia. You can't use it as (laughs) something. Yeah, it's (sighs) it's the romanticizing of it, which it's like, no, it's just I want to know how I work. So let's go over the uh, early signs of dyslexia and what we should be screening for in schools. Schools are trying to get better at screening for dyslexia early on, but as we all know, you can see signs of dyslexia before you even go to school. Uh, So here are some signs that even you as like a parent can be looking for as well. You can see the signs as early as four years old. Um, Sometimes you can see them even earlier than that if you know what you're looking for. Yeah, so some of those signs would be uh, like trouble with uh, nursery rhymes, so like the Jack and Jill rhymes, things like that. Issues with sequencing numbers and remembering like a pattern of numbers. So uh, an example of this is in kindergarten. We were supposed to be learning our home phone number, and I just could not do it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. Uh, they'll, a lot of the times we'll have uh, speech yes. problems, so they'll pronounce things wrong, even though that's a common word for them. Uh, we have a lot of <laughs> speech therapy uh, in the community. I distinctly remember going to uh, speech therapy for several years as a kid. I had a very hard time pronouncing my R's. They came out W's. I sounded like Elmer Fudd mm. or my Waskily Wabbits. Yeah. Yeah. Another common sign of a dyslexic, they don't recognize rhyming patterns like cat, bat, rat. Um, another one is... A family history of bad reading and spelling. Dyslexia runs in families. Another one is reading errors, where they're at a sound in that doesn't exist in the word they're reading. Or they will see a puppy on the page, and even though in the story it says dog, They'll say puppy because that's the way they recognize the visual cue they're getting. I really resonate with this one. Yeah, it's actually something that's a a hard habit to break. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, it really is. And then, obviously, it's like stuff like you don't know your, that the sound of B says buh and things like that. And the ability to um, manipulate our, uh, 
manipulate, sorry, and the ability to manipulate phonemes again. So that is our, um, a couple of the early warning signs of dyslexia. Our next bit after um, early signs is how to get diagnosed. And I can only really tell you two ways to go about it because those are the two ways that I personally have gone about it. So personal experience. Um, I'm sure there's other ways to do it, but let's talk about the two that I know. The first one would be hopefully if you're screened in school and um, getting a diagnosis that way. To get diagnosed, you have to go and um, be tested by a neuropsychologist for anywhere from six to eight hours. It's a, it's a specific test that you have to go and do. But to get access to a neuropsychologist, you first have to be referred to one. This can happen by either your school referring you to a neuropsychologist because they've done the screening, so now that you get this referral from the school, or you can go to your general um, physician, your GP, and they hopefully um, will refer you to neuropsychologist as well. From there, it's kind of similar if you're going about it via the school or if you're going by asking your doctor to get a referral. You'll go in, you'll do a preliminary test, um, just a couple of questions, things like that with the neuropsych to see if you even qualify for the big test. And if you do, they'll set one up for like six months down the road. I mean, it doesn't happen fast, you know. Um, How long was I talking about getting my diagnosis uh, I recently got diagnosed again this year. Well, mm-hmm. last year, 2020, whatever. I got diagnosed again in 2020. But I remember uh, it took, um, it's the same thing. It took six months, like it always does. Yep. And my insurance paid for only six hours of an eight-hour test, which is fine. I mean, they said that that was, a, they said that that was enough to get an idea. So there we go. When you go and you get you are getting diagnosed for for something. Uh, just I have to add this in. You have to be going and getting diagnosed specifically. Like they have to be looking for it. So if you're going and getting diagnosed only for dyslexia, they'll only be looking for dyslexia. And if you are like me and obviously have more than one um, neurodiversity, it's really smart to talk to your uh, your psychologist about that um, or your doctor before they send you over. Because like I didn't get diagnosed with ADHD until I was 27. Because it's the same test, right? Like, as is a very is the same same test or similar test. They're very similar tests. I don't know if they're exactly the same or if there's different parts because it does have a lot of like parts. Like they might the have add in other parts. That's yeah, true. they might add in other parts if they're looking for dyslexia because it is a very long, not dyslexia, ADHD, because it is yeah. a very long um, test. It's a very long. I've test. taken that test too, but I've never asked or even been suggested to get tested for ADHD but since you have it Nate has it dad has it you know I'm gonna get I'm gonna get tested I want to get tested so yeah you should but, um, uh yeah it'll so it'll be interesting you... to see because I haven't taken the test for that yet yeah so. I, I anyway, think sorry. you have it um no you're fine so yeah uh just with your diagnosis you do have to um really be mindful of how you are getting diagnosed so yeah they'll set up a a thing for six months down the road, you'll go in, you'll do this, uh, you know, anywhere from eight to six hour test. And then you'll wait another couple, like, like three weeks thereabouts before your diagnosis comes back. And the only thing that happens when your diagnosis comes back is you go, you meet with the, the wonderful person that did the test for you. And you get a, it's about like a 12 page paper. 
that says what your diagnosis is and tells you exactly how you scored on stuff. And that's basically it. Yeah. They don't, it's not a roadmap. They don't give you any like real resources on how to handle your diagnosis. It's basically um, the abyss of Google at that point. Or if you're a parent with a dyslexic child, it's like, well, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, it's like being dropped into an ocean, I feel like. You're just like, oh, okay, cool. I guess, where do I swim? Like, where am I going first? It's really interesting. The importance of getting your diagnosis, though, it is to a certain extent. Like, for me as an adult, I went and got diagnosed again, and that is for my own personal reasons. Um, you don't have to get diagnosed as an adult. Uh, I felt like it was just very helpful. I was looking to be on medication for ADHD. Um, it's helped me a lot. You do need to be diagnosed as a kid to get the help that you need in school because it's the only way you can get an IEP, your individualized education plan, and or a 405, which is kind of like an IEP. It's just uh, different states have different um, types of those papers. And your IEP is a legal paper that enforces how you need to be taught and the, the things that you need help with. So my IEP gave me extra time on tests because it takes me longer to read, so I need more time. <laughs> Uh, it gave me a separate area because uh, dyslexics and ADHDs in general um, get overstimulated when we are trying to do tests and become easily distracted. So it just it helps with that. It gave me a reader for tests as well. Um, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't get any of this stuff without my IEP. I was going to say, yeah, it's not just because of reading. It's even when the test gets read to you, like, you know, I know sometimes I need questions on tests read to me multiple times as I'm trying to figure figure through them and that takes me longer to search through my files sometimes than um, other people do to search through their files. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like, you know, the scene in um, it's kind of like the scene in The Blind Side where you see um, the our main dude, I forget his name I don't remember. Yeah, the, the the guy that went and played for the Ravens. I don't remember her real name either. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Sandra Bullock. <laughs> That's what I remember. Anyways, but it's kind of like in that where you see the teachers reading the questions out. You know, it's we don't actually get that unless I get an IEP that says that I get that help, you know? Yeah. What do we do after getting diagnosed as an adult? We talked a little bit about or we just talked about IEPs for kids, but like what, what's the benefit besides, besides having it for yourself as getting, um, getting diagnosed as an adult. And a couple of the benefits, uh, I would say is the fact that you'll, um, you'll understand your processing a little bit better. So you'll understand yourself a little bit better in general. Um, but you'll have the ability to, to maybe start implementing some of the things that we dyslexics use. Um, maybe you didn't know about them. Maybe you didn't know those things were out there and that there's things to help people like us. So what are some of the things that you use, uh, Drew? Oh, so I use Dragon Naturally Speaking is one of the things I use on my laptop in order to write uh, my papers and emails and everything like that. And one of the things that I spent some of my... Um, loan money for for school which I think this was a fine use of it was to buy the Kurzweil system which I couldn't afford it probably without my student loans because it was $1,300 that is a wonderful computer system that actually reads books to me I can get ebooks on it and 
put them into the Kurzweil system and read entire textbooks. The Kurzweil system is great because you can also write on it as well as it reading to you. And when you're reading textbooks or any books, really, you can highlight. It has highlighters. It has all of this and dictionaries. It's, it's, it's a fantastic system. I wish it was more affordable to the everyday layman because it is... It's a very... It's a very dense system. Like, there's so much stuff that oh, you yeah. can do. But it is, it, I mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is a good one. Um, so, for myself, I have uh, plugins that I use for Chrome. Um, I use uh, Grammarly to help with my spelling and just general punctuation because I'm not the best at that. And then um, I have a Chrome plugin that reads to me, which is kind of actually annoying <laughs> that you'll come up like across some websites that don't allow uh, readers to read to you. And it's like, well, I guess I just won't be reading your website. So I know you think, well, I can read just fine. It just takes me a while to do it. And like for me, I can read. I did go through the, the therapy to read, but it is very tiresome if I have a lot of information to go through. So like with doing the research for this podcast, I in no way could read the hundreds and hundreds of pages and articles that I have read with just me sitting and reading it I would we would still be you know we wouldn't even be recording at this point in time I'd still be reading so uh that's it's just it's realistic for me to be using it Mm -hmm. so I don't know if somebody out there never thought about doing that for themselves well and when you don't know that you're dyslexic or accept that you are as it's just an aspect of who you are you don't do the research you might not do the research to find these things out because you're not even thinking of it as an aspect of who you are. So you, so you need, you know, that's why being diagnosed is important in understanding yourself. Cause by doing that, you know, you're, you have so you've access to so many things out there. Um, and hopefully, hopefully someday, many, many more. Yeah. Technology is only getting better. It is. And it's actually kind of like interesting with that. We have um, these are like things that people probably don't think are dyslexic, like usable items. But this is like what dyslexics use a lot. Audible, obviously, like we love books on Audible. But has anyone heard of the Mm -hmm. platform Marco Polo? It's a video chat where I can send messages uh, as long as I want of a message. to Drew, and instead of texting her, because she's never going to text me back, <laughs> I'll send her a video of me talking, and she'll send it back. But I actually have had such an issue growing up with using these things, because to me, it is a dyslexic thing. So now when I go and I see people just like free float FaceTiming out in the world, it's uh, so off-putting, because to me, it's all like, that's my... Uh, it's I'm always trying to hide my dis- air quote disability. I'm always trying to hide the things that people could possibly see as a bad thing right and to see that i'm like ah ah it's like panic almost it's like what what are you doing i can get the understanding and feeling feeling on that totally me and my um i have uh two very 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 close friends that don't live in the same state as me um and we talk almost every day on marco polo and it's been it's I love yeah. it. It's great. Um, and I get to see their beautiful faces, too. So I actually forgot to talk about this with uh, getting diagnosed as at a younger age. Um, if you are a parent of a kid that gets diagnosed, uh, something that's really helpful with a diagnosis is that now you're able to um, 
possibly go and get a special education special education advocate to help navigate the school system and mm-hmm. the IEP stuff for you because um, it's a lot of dense information to try to uh, pick through. Uh, but it's it does help with getting diagnosed uh, to be able to get the support that you need for yourself and for your kid um, going through the education system. That can be very important. I know our parents definitely um, utilized that. Yeah. A good reason to get diagnosed as an adult for myself, I really feel like there's a lot of uh, things that happen with dyslexia that you just kind of are told to like have a stiff upper lip, have a to to kind of just like brush it off, to move past it, to to be the bigger person, and then it does wear at your your self esteem and erodes at your your confidence. And uh, I do recommend everyone to who has dyslexia to to talk to a therapist. Um, specifically, also there's there's therapists for dyslexia, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, talking about those things, uh, I see it as being entirely not harm like unharmful it can't hurt anybody to go and have a professional be able to tell you mm-hmm. that like hey that thing that that person is telling you to, to get just, well to just well, get over no you don't have to you can feel the feelings that you're feeling you can have this you're allowed to feel upset <laughs> and um, I feel like a lot of people just want us to hide our the fact that this stuff is hurtful I definitely recommend it for kids too Well, dyslexia growing up is traumatic. Okay. Adding in dyslexia adds another layer of trauma onto that. And especially for an adult who got diagnosed as an adult, there are things that you've accepted about yourself that people have told you that simply isn't true going to therapy, you know, can help you understand where you're holding on to lies people have been trying to get you to believe that have eroded your self-esteem because they just didn't understand the way you think. Yeah. It's, it's like, especially if you, like you're saying, if you didn't grow up knowing that you're dyslexic, it can be really, um, one, it can be really off-putting to get a diagnosis as an adult. And two, there's a lot of things that you've experienced that you think are normal that are not normal. And it is entirely valid to be able to talk about those things. I am amazed at some of the stuff that adults have done or said um, growing up. Getting diagnosed is a personal thing. It's not a defining characteristic or a key to unlocking the world. But it's a tool to help you better understand yourself. We highly encourage anyone and everyone that believes they are dyslexic or believes they have some neurodiversity to get tested for that neurodiversity and to better understand yourself Mm -hmm. and to give yourself the best ability in life. As I've said before, and I'm going to reiterate right now, competence instills confidence and confidence leads to success. So the better that we understand our processing, the better we have confidence in that processing and the more successful we will be in general. That's across any board. That's neurodiverse and not neurodiverse. The yes. better you know yourself, the, the better you can be a part of the world. Yep. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Okay. Yeah. This is the part where I pander. Please like, rate, review. 
please like, rate, and review. Subscribe. Yeah. Follow us. Do all those things. Uh, if you are on Apple, there there's an area where you can say, give me five stars. Please do that. <laughs> By doing these things, it seems so simple or, or whatever, but it does a couple of things for us. It tells me that we aren't um, just yelling into the void or, you know... Like, if people hate us, we should really shut up. We can either, you know, we can shut up or, or you know, figure out what people need. It's good to figure out what Change it need. up. Yeah. We take yeah. suggestions. Um, we do. It also helps people find us. It helps other dyslexics find us. It helps other, um, it helps build the community. Yeah. It helps build this community, which is which what is we totally want. Which is totally what we want. Yeah. We want other dyslexics to find us. So please help them find us share us share us with anybody you think might enjoy us or help or us find them that's basically what it is um from there yes. you can also find help us, us find on them. the instagrams <laughs> as melons.podcast melons.podcast uh we post attemptively weekly over there i also post images that go along with our um with our episodes uh that's where you can find images on the brain where we talked about the different paths that we see there and it's where we uh, put up quotes and uh, some more facts and figures so go uh, go over there and if you message me there I actually will message you back it's just me chilling on the other side of that phone uh, so uh, give me a little uh, give me a little message someday okay we would I think that is it for our episode and that's it for my mild pandering. As always, melons, be different, be kind.